Well, it is good to be together this morning and worship together. And if you'd like to, if you'd like to grab your Bible, you grab one of these in the chairs in front of you, or, or if you brought one with you, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3. A lot of times I'll give you the page number. I'm not going to do that today. I'm just going to tell you, if you flip open that front cover and turn about 10 pages past the table of contents and all those good things, the weights of scales and measures, maybe that you find that in there, uh, you get to Genesis chapter 3, which will be in just a couple of minutes. I was reminded of something this week uh, that, that I want to just touch on briefly. And I, I was invited, uh, special, special invite, to attend on Thursday evening. I attended via Zoom the Belmont Parking Commission meeting. And I didn't know, I didn't realize Belmont had a parking commission. Uh, but we met on Thursday night and I was invited to come because, uh, because there was on the, on the docket was some of the parking right on this block. And especially over here on Sycamore Road if they were going to restrict it more. And so they said... Uh, you know, you may want to come and, and weigh in here. And I was actually pleasantly surprised because a number of the neighbors showed up to the meeting that live right over here on Sycamore Road. And when they brought up the issue of the church parking and, you know, particularly pre-COVID parking on Sundays, uh, a number of neighbors chimed in and said, we've never had a tr- problem with the church. Uh, they show up, they, they park their cars, and, and they're gone by 1230 or whatever it is. And we, we've, never, we've noticed the, the increased activity over the last few years, but, you know, we've never had a problem. And that was great to, great to hear, but also reminded me of something. And that is that our neighbors are watching us. And especially as we gather, especially as we, this is an unusual thing. And you probably heard that the, the governor on Friday clamped down even a little bit more on the restrictions as the numbers continue to rise. And so it's an unusual thing that our doors are open. And certainly in the first service, the fact that we have some children gathering in a town that has really restricted even in-person schooling and everything. And people are watching, right? They're peering through the blinds across the street there and over there. They're watching. And so one of the things that, that I've been asked over the last week is, hey, with the governor's new rules, how does that affect the church? Technically, it doesn't affect us at all. The, the, mandate, uh, the mandates around church gatherings don't affect us at all. Uh, they stayed the same. But I will say one of the things we're going to ask is, we said at some point through this whole time that during the sermon time, and I, as I look at you, this isn't even an issue uh, right now, that during the sermon time, we could pull down our masks while we're seated. We're going to ask you to keep them on the whole time uh, as the governor has increased the restrictions. And, and part of that is we want to stay safe and we take this seriously. Another part of that is if the neighbor next door walks in the room, I don't want uh, our, the way we're handling social distancing and regulations to hinder the hearing of the gospel. Does that make sense? I want that to keep the door open for our neighbors to hear the gospel. And so I think it's important that we respect those things, not only for safety reasons, but also for witnessing reasons as neighbors watch and we continue to gather in faith and worship together. So thanks for doing that. By the way, Belmont Parking Commission meeting, two and a half hours long on Zoom, two and a half hours long. I said to Pastor Rick afterwards, I will never complain about a church business meeting ever again. But it was wonderful to hear the great comments about the church. So thank you. Thank you for respecting our neighbors uh, as you park. If you were with us last week, you know we started this new sermon series. And normally in November, we talk about our most important relationships. And this year, we're talking about a relationship with something that for you and for me affects our most important relationships. And even if you were to say, well, this doesn't affect my relationship with other people necessarily, it certainly affects 
other people's relationship with you. And that is we're talking about our relationship with technology. And certainly it has changed our relationships with one another and also our relationship with God, we said last week. And last week what we said is there are things in life that are okay to do that hold the potential to become not okay when they stop needing our okay. When they stop needing permission and they start to take over, things that are okay to be a part of, they stop being okay when they no longer need our okay. One example was perhaps online shopping. It's okay to shop online, no problem. But when every time you open up your door, there's a giant stack of the smiley boxes with the arrow standing in front of you, at some point it becomes not okay, right? At some point it takes over. And the same thing can happen with technology. Technology holds the potential to draw us closer to one another and closer to God, or it holds the potential, and in many cases, is drawing us further away from one another and further away from God. So we said last week, we invited you to participate in finding 15 or 30 minutes a day to do a technology fast, to turn it off completely, not just flip it upside down. There's something in our etiquette that says, well, if I flip my phone upside down, it's off. No, it's not. It's just upside down. (laughs) To turn it off, off for 15 minutes or 30 minutes a day and spend that time instead with God. What might God want to say if we actually did that? And if you didn't do it last week, I heard from a lot of people that did it last week, said it went great. If you didn't do it last week, do it this week and see what God might want to say to you. You know, there's something, there's a natural tendency that I have, and I bet you have it as well. It's a tendency that I have, I bet you have it as well. And it's a tendency that technology only magnifies. It's a tendency that technology has made bigger has made more a part of our lives than less a part of our lives. And I'll tell you what this tendency is uh, with a little, little example from my own life here. Every time my children go to the doctor, they get, they get measured. Their height gets measured. And I don't know when they stop doing that, but right now they think it's really important. I mean, they go for anything. Before they go into the room, we got the flu shot. The other, it's, we're doing weight and measure every single time. And at some point, the doctor stops measuring your height. Like, it's been a while for me since I've gone in. The doctor's like, let's get your height. Uh, I don't know when they stop doing that, but the last time I remember the doctor taking my height officially, shoes off, heels against the wall, that bar down on top of my head, the doctor said to me, okay, you are six feet, and one quarter inch. That's your official height, six feet and a quarter inch. And they wrote that down in a little chart that will, will be there until the end of time. And so what happens now anytime I have to record my height on something? I'm never given the option of the quarter inch. Anytime the driver's license or any other time I have to record my height on something, I'm never given the option of the quarter inch. Now, everything I've ever learned about rounding in elementary school and everything else, would tell me that the proper way to round six feet and a quarter an inch, if you're you're not given that that option, is to go to where? Six feet flat, right? That would be my height. But what do I do? I don't put six feet down. I put six feet one inch. Because the doctor said, the doctor said, I, I was over six feet, and so I give myself a little bit of grace, and I round up a little bit. Why is it that I would do that? Why would I do that? Because I have a tendency that I bet you have too. In fact, I think we all have it. And the tendency is this. Anytime there's something in our lives that, and that's sort of a silly example, but anytime there's something in our lives that we feel ashamed about, embarrassed by, or we think might affect someone else's perspective on us. My natural tendency, your natural tendency, I bet, 
is to do what you can to hide it and cover it up. We're just wired that way. That if there's something that we feel ashamed about or embarrassed by, or we think it's something that might shift someone's perspective out of us negatively or shift it positively, we are just, there's this natural thing inside of us that wants to hide it or cover it up or, or frame it in such a way that it looks better than what it really is, at least what we think will look better than what it really is. It's like when you tried out for the team in school, for the athletic team, and you went to the practice, and the reality is the other kids were better than you. They were more skilled, they had better, more natural talent, and you didn't make the team. And your friends ask you, how did practice, how did tryouts go? And rather than say, I just don't have what it takes to make this team, we said something like, oh, you know, it's, it's political, and the coach likes who the coach likes, and, and they didn't like me, they liked the other people better, and they did drills that I've never seen before, and it's just the whole process was, was a mess, and, and, and so, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm just decided I'm not going to do it this year. Or maybe you log into work on, on Monday morning, you sign into that virtual meeting, and, and you had had planned on Saturday that the whole family was going to go out and spend a nice day together, and what happened is you woke up Saturday morning, and before you could get out of the door, everyone got so angry at one another that rather than go out together, you retreated to the corners of your house, and everyone binge-watched Netflix for the rest of the day. And when you log into work on Monday, and you sit in that virtual meeting, someone says, how was your weekend? And you say, oh, we just kind of spent a quiet day at home. Or maybe you go out to coffee with the same group of ladies. And when you're out, you talk about the grandkids. And your reality is the grandkids haven't called in a while and you really wish they would. And everyone's talking about how well they're doing and how they saw each other and how great everyone's doing. And when it comes to your turn, you just say the same thing. Everyone's great. Everyone's doing wonderful. I'm so proud of them. And what is it about us that causes us to, to, to cover up and to paint reality better than what it really is? There's something inside of all of us. It's in me, and my guess is it's in you. That this natural tendency, this want to anything that we're ashamed of or embarrassed by or that we wish was different or we think, if I say it the way it really is, they're going to think of me negatively, so I'll say it and, and I'll color it a little bit differently so they think better of me. What is the deal with that tendency? Why do we have it? Well, I think there's this truth. I think there's this truth that's been true since the beginning of time, which is why we're going to sit in Genesis chapter 3 here for this morning for a little bit. Here's the truth. You know who you really are. No one knows you better. You know all your foibles. You know all the things you, you did that you didn't want to do. You know all the things you said that you didn't want to say. You know all the terrible thoughts that go through your head that you would never tell anybody else about. You know what it's really like behind closed doors in your house. You know exactly what's going on. You know exactly who you really are. And because you know who you really are, the one thing you know is that no one else can know who you really are. I feel that too sometimes. That we know who we really, we have all the knowledge of who we really are. And there's something inside of us that says, listen, this is who you really are. The last thing you can do is let all those other people know about this. I mean, what it's really like. How you really feel. How insecure you really are. How lonely you really are. And you and I have been doing this since the very beginning of time. Since not too long after God created this world, 
this hiding and covering of shame and guilt and things we're not proud of began. And maybe you know the story. God created the world. He created Adam. Said it wasn't good. It wasn't good for him to be alone, so he created Eve. Put them together in the garden. And there was only one rule. They just couldn't eat of one particular tree in the garden. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And along comes, you remember, if you were in Sunday school, you know, along comes the serpent, along comes the snake, and tempts Eve. Did God really say? He hasn't changed his tactics that much over the years. He says the same thing to us today. Did God really, does God really mean? Did God really say? He just doesn't want you to be happy. And sure enough, Eve starts to buy into it. And so we pick it up in chapter 3, verse 6. Here is what happens. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman gave, whom you gave to me to be with me gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. You know, there was something about this, this whole situation, the very beginning of time, the moment we felt shame, the moment we felt guilt, from, our, from the very beginning with Adam and Eve, and it continues within us to this day, our natural tendency, the first response, is to hide and cover. And not just hide and cover from the person that we've offended, as Adam and Eve did from God, not just to hide from God, but then also when we're, when we're about to be found out, to continue to hide. Do you catch what happens there? They hide from God. You can't, I don't know if you know about this, you can't really hide from God. He knows where you are. And so God finds them and he says, what have you done? And Adam says, she did it. And Eve says, the serpent did it. So the hiding and covering doesn't stop even after they're found. They continue to try to cover, continue to try to make it look better than it really was. And there's this tendency inside of us that, that we've all do this. And you know, our technology, and even in the middle of a pandemic, the fact that we're so separated, only makes this easier, only magnifies this dynamic. About four weeks ago, on a Saturday morning, my wife and I, we got the children up. I'll be honest with you. My wife got the children up, and we put on our best clothes put on our nicest clothes, and we all drove to, a, to a, a, a forest in Lexington that I had never seen or heard of before. 
And we walked about a quarter of a mile through the trees in our nicest clothes. It was the morning, the grass was wet, our shoes were getting wet, the bottom of our pants were getting wet. And then we came into a clearing where a photographer had set up hay bales and, and very rustic looking farmhouse things to make it look like, you know, this is just this magical oasis that we found in the middle of the trees. And we sat on the hay bales like this is our normal life on Saturday mornings, a stroll through the woods in our nicest clothes with the sunlight hitting our faces. And he took a bunch of pictures and he took, I don't know, it felt like hundreds of pictures. I don't know how many he actually took, but it was a lot of pictures. And then he spent about three weeks uh, figuring out how to make us actually look decent through Photoshop. And then he sent us, he sent us about 25 pictures that made the cut out of all of them. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to choose the best of those 25 pictures that we, can, that we think is the best one. We're going to put it on a Christmas card. We're going to send it out to a bunch of people, and we're going to say, this is us. Right? But that's not us. The real us is us driving in the car on the way there, threatening our kids that if they mess up their clothes and telling them they can't have any snacks because they're definitely going to mess up their clothes. That's the real us. We should put that on a Christmas card. One kid screaming in a car seat, us turned around telling them not to mess up their clothes. That's the real us. But we do that, not just on Christmas cards. People, we do it every day on social media. The world does it every day. Puts out a billboard of their life, what we want people to see, a nice, advertised, washed version of reality. And we tell people it's a window into our lives. So here's a window into my life, but it's not a window. It's not reality. It's a billboard. And so we'll take 25 pictures to get the one that we'll put a filter on that will finally go on Instagram. We'll make sure that, that, that we, uh, in a day when everything is chaotic, that we find a time to take a nice picture by, uh, uh, and, then, and then say it was a great peaceful day at home or whatever, whatever it is that we do. And we're constantly filtering, constantly telling people that things are better than the way they really are. And our technology only enhances the opportunity to do this. And so the question is, what's the real harm in that? Like, what's the harm? So we've been doing that, hiding and covering, and we do it in our lives. And I don't know, I probably, my, my guess is you're on board with me. You know this happens. You know you do it, I do it. We let the neighbors think we're better than we really are. We let our church friends think we're better than we really, we, we do this. So what's the harm? Well, here's the reality. And because technology puts a magnifying glass on this, because it makes it easier because it makes it broader, the reality is only getting worse in our culture. And we ought to be aware of this. Many of us hide and cover because we don't want to be rejected. We don't want to get hurt. We feel like if we put it out there for what it really is, people will write us off. But hiding and covering doesn't keep you from getting hurt. It keeps you from ever being found. Hiding and covering all the time does not keep you from getting hurt. It keeps you from being found. The moment Adam and Eve hid and covered, and as they continued to cover and cover and cover, it broke relationship with God and it broke relationship with one another. 
our heart's desire, what we want, is to be fully known and fully loved. To be able to actually put it out there and tell people what, what it's really like and what's really going on and find people around us who will say, I see it all, I hear it all, and I'm still with you. I love you. But if we hide and cover, we'll never truly be found. We can't find that relationship. Not only with other people, we can't find it with God. And we say, well, is this really happening? Is this, is this happening that, that people are hiding and covering and so they're not being found and it's having a negative impact? We could just look at maybe one segment of our culture. We just looked at, let's say, teenage girls in the U.S. 2009, social media went on cell phones. It's the first year that social media went on cell phones. Since 2009, the U.S. hospital admissions for non-fatal self-harm, teenagers cutting themselves, harming themselves in some way, is up 62% for girls ages 15 through 19, and up 189% for girls aged 10 through 14. I would suggest that for many of us, we can communicate more than ever before. But because we're putting billboards up and not putting up any windows, we're lonelier than ever. No one's actually finding the real us. Since 2009, U.S. suicide rates are up 70% for girls 15 through 19 and up 151% for girls 10 through 14. I think there's a real correlation there between social media going on phones and these numbers. I don't think that's an accident. So there is great detrimental impact to our hiding and covering, to creating a a picture of ourselves that isn't reality. Our desire, our want is to be truly known, to be truly loved. But it can't happen with us, and it can't happen with God as long as we're hiding and covering. And you know, before social media even exists, I think that when it comes to relationship with God, I mean true relationship with God, if I'm honest, one of the greatest offenders in our culture has been Sunday morning at church. This was the hour that you came and pretended You got dressed up in clothes that you didn't wear throughout the week and you came and you smiled and you told everyone that it was great and said whatever phrase was popular to say, called everyone brother and sister, which I'm all for all of that stuff. But sometimes it was just a ruse. We were just pretending that things were better than they really were. And rather than come in here and saying, my marriage is shot and I don't know what to do with the kids and things are really hard at work right now, rather than bringing our brokenness to the table, we were taught that we had to come into this place, look a certain way, act a certain way, talk a certain way, and the result of all that hiding and covering was that it broke relationship between brothers and sisters in Christ and the church, and even worse, it broke our relationship with God. And so many people that grew up in the church never encountered God in a real and meaningful way because they watched their family week after week come in and just pretend to be something that they weren't. And I think, that, I think that's a real challenging thing that we have to own as followers of Jesus Christ. Because not only can we not 
have relationship with one another. Not only does that break relationship with one another, it also breaks relationship with God. I think there's a submarine in the area. I'm not sure what that is. Someone left their cell phone in the first service, and I think they're doing find my phone right now. Uh, And it's found, so it's back there. Either that or depth charges are about to be released. (laughs) So stick with me for a moment. Here's the beautiful thing about the gospel. Here's the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel is that God is the one person who truly knows you. I said at the beginning, you know who you really are. The reality is God knows who you really are. He knows you better than you know yourself. And the reality of the gospel is that in Jesus Christ, you have the opportunity to be fully known and fully loved. But as long as we are hiding and covering our reality from God, we will never fully experience the reality of his grace and mercy and redemption. And so here's what I'd ask you to think about this morning. I'd ask you to think about where is it in your life that you need to stop hiding and covering in the community of Christians? Certainly it would be inappropriate if all of us came on a Sunday morning and dumped all of our dirty laundry all over the church in the middle of this. I mean, it would not be an appropriate expression, right? But there, we all need people, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, whom we can go to and be honest about who we are and where we're at and find encouragement to continue to go. And we ought to do everything we can in our power to make our church one of those communities where people can bring what is honestly happening and find love and grace and compassion accountability where it's needed to continue to move forward. And you and your relationship with God ought to recognize that God knows where you are. He knows what you've done. And he's still pursuing you and desires relationship with you. And as long as we come to God, and God's just this this dispenser of encouraging verses, and God's, God's just this, this, this guy that, that makes us feel better about life. Or, and, and God is not the one with whom we can come before at the foot of the cross and truly reveal who we are, all our sin and all the junk and all the reality of all the things that we're going through. We will never fully experience his grace and mercy and redemption. We'll never know what it means when we hear other people talk about how they found true meaning and true relationship through Jesus Christ. We'll never experience that for ourselves until the day we're willing to humble ourselves and put it all down at the foot of the cross. Paul reminds us of the reality in Romans chapter 5. He says this. He says, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, not once we cleaned up our act, while we were still sinners, Christ died for you. And you can bring all the sin and all the junk to him. He's going to make you change some things. But you'll never experience his transforming power. You'll never experience the work of the Holy Spirit. You'll never experience his grace the way you should and can until you're willing to stop hiding and covering and lay it all down. Because to find true relationship, you've got to come out of hiding. 
to find real relationship, to be fully known, fully loved. At some point, you got to come out of hiding. So maybe today is the day that you would say, all right, it's enough of social media for a while. It's enough of pretending for a while. Instead, I'm going to spend time praying and asking God, God, where's a real relationship with a fellow believer in Christ that I can begin to develop? And enough pretending. Enough pretending with just my little devotional every day, although I know that can be helpful. But I'm actually going to spend some time in God's presence, laying it all out there. He already knows it. Bring it to him. Lay it all out there and deal with it in his presence. We're going to end this service and this sermon in a little bit different way than we normally do. There's this song that's out there right now called Truth Be Told by Matthew West. And the song, its lyrics, and the video that goes with it really seem to fit what I think God is talking to us about this morning. So we're going to watch this, and I'll be back up to close us in a moment.